Hey, Stellarwin fans, I'm your host, Mary Rectoris. And I'm your co-host, Mila Taylor. Stellar Women shines a light on female leaders making their mark in legal tech. Today, we have Maribel Rivera on the podcast. Maribel is an independent marketing consultant, and she's also the Senior Director of Community Relations at ACES. Maribel, thanks for joining us today. How are you? Oh, Mary Amila, I am wonderful. Thank you for having me. So much that we want to get through with you. Um, so I'm going to dive right into questions, if that's okay. Let's go. Since you've been in the tech world and really discovery, how have you seen the field become more or less diverse? Great question. Um, I've been in the tech world for a very long time now. Um, I was 10 years with Nortel and I've been in this industry, it feels like forever, maybe 15 years um, or more. But I think the tech world has definitely become more and more diverse. When I first started, there weren't as many women uh, doing the project management pieces, doing the analyst side, things of that nature. And over the years, I've gradually seen more and more women embracing that tech side, right? Embracing those skills, um, taking up that part, getting more curious, um, using their innovation and really deciding to jump in and do the tech side more than just doing things on the administrative side or operational side. That's great. It's always, it's always good to hear that. What challenges do you think women face in the industry? And then what challenges do you think that companies might face in trying to recruit female talent? I think it, it overlaps for both companies recruiting talent as well as women coming up, females coming into the field. And this is one of the things that I think goes beyond just legal, but in every industry perhaps, but it's really about the sense of confidence in your skills and that you belong in the role that you're in or you should be able to apply for a role. And I think that's the biggest challenge, right? It's constantly thinking as women, we, we, and I I don't know if you two have done this, but I know I have, right? It's that imposter syndrome. It's wondering, can I really do this role? Do I have the skills that are needed? And quite often we don't see men have that approach to things. They don't look at it as maybe I don't have the skills to apply for this job. They're like, you know what, I'm going to apply for it and let's see what happens. And I think having the the empowering ourselves to embrace that is the important part to say, I've worked on my skills. I've gone out, I've gone, gotten certifications. I've gone to school. I've gone to law school. Um, under, I understand processes. I understand all of these things. I know how to use relativity. I know how the ED, uh, e-discovery process works, or I've been working in legal technology for so long that I can do this job and I should go out and apply for it. And I think that's one of the things uh, that we need to embrace more and uh, mentor women to do, right? Not, and not just younger women, but also women who are are older than us, right? Women who are the same age, we need to show women that it's okay to show that they have that skill set, to have that confidence, to say, I deserve this seat at the table. And I think that's one of the challenges that we have to overcome. And thankfully, we're doing it, but we have to do more of that because there are still so many women who second guess themselves. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think that even extends to once they get the job, whether it's advocating for a promotion or a raise, the 
I mean, the research just shows women don't do that at the same rate as their male counterparts. And I think it's probably because, well, am I really excelling at my role? Am I really checking all these boxes? And the more you second guess yourself, the more reason you can find to not advocate for yourself. So I think it just extends like a myriad of things that women face when they get a role and applying for a role and just having that confidence in themselves and their skill set. Right. And then I think what you have to do in those cases is also once you are in that role, you have to look for allies, look for champions, look for people who are going to help you move forward and who are going to advocate for you. And we as women, you know, what I've seen quite often is that there are men in organizations who have helped women far more often than another woman has. And we have to change that. We have to change that mindset and really get other women to start advocating for each other as well. We're not, we're not competitors. We're advocates. And the more that we can bring each other up and forward, the more important it is. And then we can help other women climb that, not the ladder, but go across that jungle gym and get to the next job role. That's a good point. I think for the longest time, there's been, you know, a finite seat at the table for women. So it's created this almost competitive nature where it's like, well, there can only be one of us in the leadership position. So I've got to make sure that that's me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really like that point that you just said about kind of reshaping and reframing how we look at it. And, you know, who's to say that the whole table can't be women? There is a book called How We Rise. um, And it's really focused on bringing diversity more and more to the table. And I'm sure the two of you have done a lot of research. When you start to bring more women to the table and more diversity to the table, companies are more successful. It's researched and it's a fact. And so we need to start doing more of that, right? When women are in leadership roles, more companies have uh, been shown to be successful. And so we need to find ways to make sure that that's being done. So with inclusion, diversity, and belonging, that's really important, not only to Mila and myself, but also the entire company. So I am co-chair of Relativity Women of the Workplace. Mila is a member, and Relativity is really dedicated towards our community resource groups. So we have several of them, and it really is for marginalized communities to have a voice and spread awareness about the challenges they face and how we as a company are stronger when we have those diverse opinions that feel like they can be their authentic selves and bring them their best selves to work. And I noticed that you are part of the Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, Awareness, and Action Committee for ACIDS. So can you talk about how this came to fruition and why this is important to you? Oh, of course. Um, And it probably takes shape in in many forms, but I will say, so ACIDS is a um, subsidiary of Barbary. And Barbary has been a longtime sponsor of Pipeline to Practice, which cultivates diversity in legal uh, by supporting and nurturing diverse law students. They've been doing that for a long time. ACEDS, one of the reasons I was brought in was to help ACEDS as far as diversity. And we are a diverse group. We've got um, quite a few women in leadership roles. Uh, In ACEDS, we've got uh, men in roles. So my goal was to also look at the chapters in the community. So as senior director at ACEDS, I helped to grow our chapters, bring our members together, meet the needs of our membership globally, and um, to bring that all back to make sure that ACEDS is practicing that diversity and equity and inclusion. And I would say through the IDEA committee, this is fairly recent that we've just started, but 
the goal is to help cultivate equitable and not just welcoming environments for women, people of color, the LGBT community, um, and those persons with disability. And so my, my goal is, is that our goal for the IDEA committee is to do that. We've got a number of leaders from various chapters and we'll be bringing in members as well to start working on those things. And the aim is to help our chapter leadership be responsible within the chapters themselves, but also to provide collaborative experiences and, and guidelines and, and resources for them, right? Engage uh, diversity and inclusivity changes, uh, I'm sorry, change makers and champions within the legal community, such as those at, like yourselves, um, and others at Relativity. If we could bring more of those individuals to the table and help create guidelines and resources for others, I think that's important. And then through, outside of legal, I'm engaged in quite a few different initiatives. And so I am able to bring others into the community that can talk about um, things like the challenges, um, let's say, people of color face as far as the, the workplace and what kind of therapy they might have. Uh, I've got a number of individuals who talk about men in the workplace, men of color in the workplace, and how they need to be change makers and how they need to be advocates as well for the women of color that need to be in the, in the workplace. Uh, we work with, I work with quite a number of people in anti-human trafficking and um, in the homeless community as well. And so trying to show that we need to bring some of those individuals and teach them skills, quite, quite a few of them have just had hard, have, have not had the access to the things that they can do. So trying to bring those individuals and showing how they can be included in that is the way that I want to make sure that the IDEA committee is, is doing all of that. So we've got a lot of probably goals that we want to achieve, but we'll start off slowly and then gain momentum over the coming year. That's really cool. It seems like you have a lot of great plans and kind of how it seems like you have a lot on your plate. I know that <laughs> when we chatted via email, you mentioned that you have eight sons, six of whom are fosters, which is amazing. And I think it's hard, not hard, but right now it's particularly challenging for a lot of working parents, just having two working households or one working household and their kids are at home and their work's at home. So kind of taking a step back, what inspired you to become a foster mom and what do you love about it? So I will say I, I did not have a lot of opportunities and mentorship when I was growing up. I come from uh, domestic violence. And so for me, I kind of was always giving back in a way because I knew that there was maybe someone like me, there was a, another little girl like me out there in the world that needed somebody and, or another person in the world that needed somebody. So I'm very all about giving. I mean, I will give the clothes off my back if when I'm walking down the street, I'm the type of person, I'll, I'll carry a pair of socks for the home, a homeless person if they're on the train. Um, but I think it was just important for me to do that. And then my son's my, um, my sons, Dean and Victor, they're both very giving since they were little children. Um, they're all, all my boys are all grown now, but when they were little, you know, they would see some of their friends suffering or going through something. And so that's how that came about. My older son had two friends who were going through some challenges and they, they came home 
one day and were like, they, they need help. And so that's how it all began. And then I had some girlfriends who were going through some challenges themselves and they came to stay with me. And when they left, the children didn't want to leave. So basically the, the children went through junior high and high school living with me and staying with me for all that time. And we had a two bedroom apartment, single mom. I worked a lot of hours, um, would come home, make dinner, try to sit down at the table with all of them, have those conversations about well, how was your day? What do you want to do? I can't tell you my, they were all, they're all very creative and artistic. So there was a band in my house every Friday practicing, um, until two or three in the morning. We had football practice. We had soccer practice, wrestling matches. Um, I, you know, I, I was the mom that everybody jumped in, in my car so I could deliver them all home. And I, it, it wasn't always easy. There were times where we had some really difficult weeks. There were weeks where it was like, how do I have to take half my paycheck to pay something? It wasn't always easy for me, especially with eight growing boys. They eat a lot. We still do Sunday dinners or big dinners uh, together when we can, when we're all together in the same state and same place when there's no COVID. Um, we always try to get together and do things together. Um, you know, for Thanksgiving, I have two Thanksgivings. There's one on, on Thursday and then there's one on Saturday because they all play football. And so it's, it's all about being there for each other and really doing it. And I think it was all about me making sure that because I didn't have those mentors or those individuals around me that I made sure that I could do that for someone else because I knew how important it was. I think that that is all like my, you can't see me because I'm in my apartment. We're all kind of separated, but my like jaw is like wide open and I'm just so impressed. And you mentioned before we started recording that, you know, you're an energetic person and oh my gosh, I, I believe it because that is, that is a lot. And I'm, I just take my hat off to you because you've created this, you know, incredible network and support network, um, you know, in, in your house. And I think that that's something that, as you mentioned, like, it can change people's lives. And so that's, that's incredible. Um, what tips do you have for other working parents out there or other people who are trying to create that similar support network? I think it's important to look around you at other, individu other individuals around you who are raising children. And it really does take a village. Sometimes you don't realize it. And it doesn't have to be family members, right? Family is really who you make it. Those, there are individuals out there that can be family members. And I've been blessed uh, with really great friends throughout the years that um, are at my side when I am having, when I need a chocolate bar, there's that one person who's like, get in the car, get away from the kids and, and we can go have a chocolate bar. Um, you know, cause you have to hide chocolate sometimes from your children or candy. So there's that important piece, right? But there are people that if you can't pick up your kids because I have to work late, there's that individual that you can depend on. So you have to create this support network. You have to rely on each other. You have to sometimes be vulnerable so that you can be strong. It's really important to sometimes just break down and depend on other people and rely on people and know that when you're having a really hard day, um, because maybe the kids were fighting or because 
you just have so much on your plate at work and now you have to come home and be strong for your kids, right? Especially right now, there's, you know, kids don't have the ability to be as social as they want. Um, there's a lot going on. Parents have to be home and also be a teacher and also entertain their children because they can't really go out and have entertainment as much as they used to. So it's really important to know that it's okay to have those moments where you break down and depend on other people um, to help you through, to be your shoulder, um, to be that, that column of strength for you. And sometimes we think that, you know, people look at us as parents and always think you've got to be strong, you've got to do everything. And, but it really does take a village and you have to surround yourself with people and the like-minded individuals in a village who are all there for each other and helping each other to succeed and helping those children to succeed. And I think that's the important part. Yeah, and I love that you said right now it's of the utmost importance. I think we're seeing that whether people have children or just this is a really trying time for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really made us kind of ground everybody a little bit and see each other more as humans versus just colleagues when you're in the office, whether it's someone having to work adjusted hours because they don't, there wasn't daycare or the schools aren't opening or you're just like exhausted from all your Zoom meetings and you need to take a few hours to just not look at your computer. I think there's, we're all a little bit more compassionate and I think that's a bright side of what craziness has gone on in the last few months. I totally agree with you. I think it's really important. These last few months have shown you the humanity, right, of of individuals and the love and support and caring that people are really there for one another. And I think that we need to just continue growing that, nurturing that, and being there for one another. Going off on mentorship a little bit. You mentioned how, why it's important to you as a mom and as a professional and in your role at ACIDS. What part does mentorship play? Who's been really important to you as you navigated your career? And what advice do you have those that are interested in mentorship opportunities? I've got quite a few people in my, in my life that have always been there and mentored me. Uh, My sister, Kelly, she has been an absolutely terrific mentor uh, throughout my, throughout my life. Uh, still to this day, she's someone I can rely on. Uh, my sister Marisol as well, she's done the same. When I started my career in at Nortel Networks, uh, I would say Betty Booth, she was, my, uh, she was my direct manager. And she was the only woman that sat at the table with a room full of men. And she was in a room probably with 10 men, all in leadership. And no matter how hard they tried to not let her have a voice at the table, not let her be who she needed to be and not speak up, um, she was a force to be reckoned with. And I think, and she taught the other women within her department and other areas of the organization to do the same. And I would say then the other person, as, as far as women, um, my friend Phyllis Salambeni, she's no longer with us. She passed away a few years ago from cancer, but she was also someone that was just like very good at telling me, be who you are, be one, you know, don't worry about everything else. Speak up when you need to speak up with. And she was, she was also a force to be reckoned with when she walked in a room and she had something to say, she, she spoke her mind and she, she did it. And there were often, she was a a beautiful woman. And sometimes there was that piece of looking at her and making sure that people saw her as 
a professional and not just a woman. And so she taught me that as well, right? It's, it's, it's not about appearance. It's not about all of the things. It's about how you are with other people and making sure that they know that you have something to say and it's important to say it. And so she was a great mentor for me. And then there's been quite a few men who have been maybe not just mentors, but maybe champions and advocates for me. And so they've, they've played huge parts in my life, right? I can, I can say quite a few of them have been the individuals that I go to when I need advice. And it, you know, I did an interview with uh, Matthew Altus a few months back during legal tech and I did say, I have created for myself a board of advisors, right? I look at myself as the CEO of, of myself, right? Each of us needs to look at ourselves as CEOs of our own brand. Uh, I am a personal brand. I am, uh, I am who I am. And I need to create just like Relativity has a board of advisors or any other organization should have a board of advisors. I have my own board of advisors and, and those include people who mentor me and uh, provide me advice on what roles I should take, um, you know, as an independent consultant, who should I work with? How, what, what, how do I upskill myself? Um, where should I go? How do I take certain roles? Um, you know, I've been asked to sit on different nonprofit boards and things like that. So understanding those needs and, and getting involved in that. And so um, I've created that board of advisors for myself, which is very important and has taken my mentors to a different level for me. I've heard the term board, like your own um, board of advisors before, and I love it, but I haven't heard someone say like, be the CEO of your own life. And I think that's such a nice way to look at it. Cause I think you can, it makes complete sense for a company or an organization, you know, to have a CEO, but like you are your, you are your biggest thing. You are your biggest thing. You are, you are someone that can be marketable. All of us have that opportunity and that, and, and are a brand, right? You are your own brand. Even within relativity, um, each of you has built a brand. And so you have to look at yourself that way. You have to look at yourself as I am a brand and how do I continue to build my brand? I love that. And kind of as your brand evolves, your board of advisors might stay the same or you might recruit new people just kind of contingent on your goals and what you're trying to get to. Exactly. And I, I have a friend who said it best once is you should look at, there should always be three people, right? The person that you were. So you should have somebody in your life that you, they were where you, they are in the position where you used to be. You should look at somebody in a similar position to yourself right now. And then you should look at the person where you want to be and create the relationships with all three of those individuals to help you build your life even further. What is something that you want to share with the larger tech community about yourself or the work you're doing or any programs outside of, you know, the general world of discovery? One of the things I'm most proud of, and it's because I work with quite a few people in legal technology on this is life preservers uh, project. Life preservers project is an anti-human trafficking nonprofit. It is one of the things that I dedicate a lot of time to, uh, what we don't realize, and this kind of comes back to the diversity piece, is uh, there are a lot of men and women uh, from communities that are underserved, so people of color and our LGBT community who are being trafficked here in the States, right, from our local communities. Um, they come from foster homes. They come from 
we still have orphanages, so they come from that. They come from broken homes. They come from places where they don't have mentors. And I think it's really important for us to look at those and really focus on how we can do better to help serve those communities and help each other. And also the other thing is I, I do some mentoring with Coalition for the Homeless and they have a, a first step job program and helping these women go through and understand a lot of times they're, they're scared of rejection and, but they have skills. Some of them are legal assistants, right? And they no longer have a job. They lost their job. They're, they're trying to get back on their feet. There are so many people out there who have skills or who have the capability to do great things. And our community has the ability, this legal technology community has the ability to really go out there and help, right? We've got all these kids in underserved communities who need help just having that first step, getting that first job, getting those skills. Um, they're knowledgeable. They, they can program. They can do things. They just don't have the opportunities. And so as, a, as our legal technology, I mean, legal technology is a huge industry. We've, we make billions of dollars within this, right? Even e-discovery itself is a billion-dollar industry. And there's ways for us to give back and help those individuals in those communities, help those in our underserved communities move forward and find ways that they can feel like they're making change in their own life. And I think that's the important part. I think it's about giving back and finding ways to give back. And you know, if they don't know how to give back, I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone. I, you know, how to be a mentor, how to get involved in some of the uh, local anti-trafficking um, organizations that are all across the US, how to work in underserved communities. And it, it's small things like just going to your local community and figuring out what programs they have and how you can be a mentor for somebody in that local community or working in one of the schools and, and providing back help within one of those schools. So it's really small little things that we can do. And you know, the one thing I love with life preservers is that these are all people from legal technology who take the time on a monthly basis to give back. Um, we put programs in place. We interview people. Right now, we are creating, we're making hand-sewn face masks, donating them to those living in shelters and for everyone that's purchased. So things like that help to make a difference. Um, and, and I think that's the important part, right? Our legal technology community just really needs to know, and a lot of them do, but we need to do more and help more because there's so many great, especially the kids out there in our community, they have such great skills and such capability. We just need to nurture it. And I think that's the one thing I would love to see more of from our community. Yeah, our CEO, Mike Gamson, is super passionate about a program we launched, Relativity Fellows, and a quote I think encapsulates what you said really well that we use a lot from Leela Jana is talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more, and I love that quote, and I'm, I'm going to probably post it somewhere because I love it so much. I'll send it to you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> on our I love it. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. It was yes, Thank you so much. Well, thank you both. I love that I've started my week off this way. So thank you both for having me. Thank you so very much. <laughs>
And for Stella Roman, I'm Mary Rectoris. And I'm Mila Taylor. Signing, Signing off. off. We missed you.